MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and this is Stuff You Should Know, the audio podcast that is now transcribed and available on the blogs. Oh, is it there? Yes, the deaf and hard of hearing community is ready to go. Yes, Josh, and that is exciting. Expand the group of people that can get on the train, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think so. I hope so. Yes. You're talking about getting like to experience a podcast. Yeah, on okay. the bandwagon. Well, yeah, then yes, I know what you're talking about. Um, Chuck? Josh. You ready to do this? Yeah. Have you ever... My arms are up. Have you ever been on a roller coaster? I am a roller coaster guy. Yeah. I, I wouldn't call myself one of those guys, you know, who like make special trips to states just to ride the coaster, but I've always been a fan. There are plenty of people who do that. Oh, yeah. And not just the states, like Japan yeah, yeah. is big with roller coasters as well. Dubai. And um, do they have huge roller coasters? I could totally see that. Yeah, one of them is on the list. Um, I didn't get the list. I'll share it with you. Well, I can't wait to hear it with the other few hundred thousand people at the same time (laughs) who are listening to this. Um, Chuck, I am not a roller coaster guy, despite being from originally Ohio, which is the home of arguably the greatest amusement park in the world, Cedar Point. Yeah, Sandusky. Yeah. Right there on the water. It's nice. It is very nice. Mm -hmm. On the other side, you have the uh, Breakers Hotel, Catawba Island, where my family uh, vacationed. Uh, for many years when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would go to Cedar Point pretty frequently, but from a very young age, I was terrified of roller coasters because, let me paint you a picture. Okay. When I was, I think, three, my dad said, Josh, here we are at Disney World. Why don't you let me take you on this great ride called Space Mountain? Yeah, which now is very tame when you look at it. It's not tame to me. Yeah, I've course. since been on it, and it's still not tame. <laughs> All right. Even as a from a three-year-old to a 20-something, it's no difference. Okay. Because I've been completely spoiled on roller coasters now. I was a very young kid. My dad was um, taking me on Space Mountain. I had no idea what to expect, and I'm damaged goods now. 
Really? Did that just put a dent in it for you? It did. Now, if I actually go, if I can get the courage up to actually go on a roller coaster, I have just an amazing time. Yeah, right? sure. But it's the standing in line uh, and yeah. going up the first hill that, like, I, I, could, I can't do it. Yeah. I can't do it, Chuck. Yeah. Uh, I had a similar experience in that I would not um, ride roller coasters, but I really enjoyed the park, Six Flags, obviously, here in Georgia. And we had the family seasons pass every year. And it's at a certain point in age, my father said, you know, you're going to go on these roller coasters if we're going to pay for you to get in the park. Cause yeah. We're, and I, I used to... Hanging out with the banana splits is not worth the, the money. Yeah. That alone is not. <laughs> well, here's how bad it stunk for me is I would wait in line the whole time because I was with my family. And then when the time came, I would walk through the car to the other side. Oh, yeah. And I used to have terrors that they would like i would slip and fall in the seat and the bar would come down <laughs> and that was it it's like a scooby-doo theme park yeah yeah so he forced me to go on i think the mind bender and i never looked back i was like thanks that dad is, that was awesome that is really great that's the exact opposite of my <laughs> yeah. story and that one came out really well yeah so i like him now yeah sure uh, yumi's actually ruined on roller coasters because her dad took her on space mountain as well oh, really? but he pretended like he didn't know what was going on oh uh, yeah and, like he was freaking out and that just <laughs> ruin right. so our kid's never going to go on a roller coaster because both of his or her parents are going to be too nervous about that plus the older you get i mean i went to cedar point a couple of years ago and it's harder when you get a little older the lines seem longer yeah. the heat is more oppressive sure and these roller the coasters seem more rednecky yeah and these <laughs> roller coasters now are like astronaut training it's i mean i can take a lot but i would get off of some of these thinking man you're what? talking about the Top Thrill Dragster? Oh, they've got a bunch of them there that kind of made me feel queasy. I mean, it was fun, but it also tested the limits of my intestinal fortitude. Nice. Well, let's talk about this. Okay. I have to say, um, this this um, article by uh, Tom Harris, who's a, a, on par with the Grabster, in my opinion. Yeah, Tom's good. Um, he uh, he basically breaks down exactly what's going on on a roller coaster, and yeah. I was kind of hoping that understanding this would make me feel better about it. I don't think it's had any effect nah. like that at all. But at the very least now, you and I can explain what the deal is with roller coasters. That's right. Let's start, Chuck. Let's let's take it back to 16th century Russia. Who would have thunk it? That's where it all began, Josh. You're right. Um, originally, they had these ice slides. Very steep wooden slides covered in ice. You got on a little sled. Yeah. And I imagine it looks sort of like the long, straight water slide that they have today. Or I took it like the uh, ski jump, but without the jump part at the bottom. Yeah, that you too. Know? But uh, it wasn't just a sled. They These things would, these sl- slides were covered in ice. The track was. Yeah. But then at, at times you could also ride a block of ice. <laughs> yeah. So... You can imagine some crazy 16th century Russians oh, riding yeah. a block of ice down a 70-foot <laughs> slope into a sand pit. Loaded on vodka. Yeah. Probably. That is that is all roller coaster historians agree, the beginning of roller coasters, right? Yeah, and the next step is a little uh, somewhat disputed, but the best story we found was that the French got on board and said, we're going to build one of these, but in France it got hot the ice melted, so they said, well, let's just wax the wood. And then they said, hey, let's just put wheels on it. And all of a sudden, you had a wheeled roller coaster right. in 1817. Yeah. First one. Yeah, the uh, first one was the Russian mountains of Belleville. En français, the Russes à Belleville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, like you said, 1817? Yeah. That was introduced, and from that point on, that was kind of like the explosion of 
um, modern, well, I don't want to say explosion of modern roller coasters because it took a good 30, 40, 50 years. Mm -hmm. But after that, it exploded, right? Yeah. Yes. The United States and Pennsylvania in the mid-1800s had the first one uh, in the U.S., and it was sort of like, they still have these, too, that go up the side of a mountain. I know. I've been on it, the Incline Railway in Tennessee. Yeah, that's sort of what it's like. Terrifying, too. It basically was an old coal line that they would take you up in a cart mm-hmm. slowly, and it, they call it a scenic tour. Yeah. And then I get the uh, impression they would let you down a little more quickly. Yes. Adding to the thrill. And this was like 1850. It was the mid-19th century, and it cost a dollar. And I went and did uh, I did the West Egg That's Inflation Calculator, 2588 in 2010 dollars. What a rip. Well, I don't know, man. I mean, if this is it, well, there at is the time, no other yeah, thing true. even resembling a roller coaster in the United States. You're going to pay 25 bucks. And it probably in- ensured It's either that or playing <laughs> Russian roulette. Yeah. It probably ensured those rich people, too. Sure. Which rich people in, in old coal cars. Yes. So um, from that point on, Pennsylvania apparently was a um, has had like the long-standing tradition, long-standing history of roller coasters because they had that called the um, Mount Chunk Switchback Railway. Yeah. That was that first um, roller coaster you described, and then they had real ones like Kennywood Park. Still there. One of the first amusement parks. Yeah, it is still there. Uh-huh. And then, of course, the world famous Coney Island. And then the 1920s happened, and there were as many rides, um, as, as many rides, I don't know, roller coasters, but there were as many rides in operation in 1920. As there were in the people? United States. No. <laughs> as there are, to, as there are roller coasters today. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So and, they replaced the old, obviously. Well, yeah, that's part of it. But at the same time, um, you would think like it'd just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and there'd be more and more and more. But the Great Depression and World War II kind of cut the head off of roller coasters yeah. and amusement parks for a while. And it wasn't until the 70s and 80s that, you know, the, the, the advent of the modern roller coaster that you know and love today and I hate right. really began. Right. Yeah. So you don't even go to parks probably then, right? What's the point? I went to Dollywood. That was fun, but we yeah. we wouldn't ride that roller coaster. That's pretty low uh, stress, I would think, as far as roller. It is because there's go. so much other stuff to do. It's no Cedar Point. No, or, or Cedar anyways. Point. It's just like shame, humility, shame. <laughs> right. You know, every every turn. Uh, so, should we talk about some of the components of the train itself and how it works? I think we should because really, I was surprised at how um, ridiculously simple this is. Yeah, and you know what I didn't know and. Maybe I'm a dummy, but I didn't realize that almost all of the ride is based on just forward momentum. And so it's acceleration and gravity. Yeah, all those things combined, but it's not like there's points along the track that, like, oh, we're slowing down. We need to give you an, an extra magnetic boost right. at this point. Right, yes. It's all found in that initial um, first hill. Yes, which uh, you're carried up the hill uh, many times by a chain lift. And yeah, you know that sound. That sound probably strikes fear in your heart, doesn't it? <laughs> ching, 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 ching. Yeah. yeah, or the slower version's even worse. Yes, and that is uh, it's sort of like a bike chain on a loop, and there's a I'm gear, like a, a motor that's just kind of turning. <laughs> yeah, the there's thing. a gear at the top and a motor at the bottom, mm-hmm. and you hook onto it uh, with something called a chain dog. It's basically a hook, and it pulls you up the hill, like on a conveyor belt. Yep, and then releases you at the top, and then. Physics does its thing. Right. And then uh, another way to get up the hill is the catapult launch lift, which is um, slightly more sophisticated. This yeah. is like, um, what was the name of the ride? King Ka. Yeah, that was, that. I had an idea. Oh, actually, that might be magnetic. Yeah, well, there's there's basically two ways to do it. The linear induction motor um, produces magnets, right? Right. 
and they are attracted to one another. And it's the motor is attached to the train cars. Yeah. Um, and the motor is moving along the track because of these two magnetic fields that are attracted to one another. And it's pulling the train with it. Yeah. And that can generate really high, precise speeds all of a sudden. Yeah, which I like prefer. Being shot out of a cannon on that Kingda car. Exactly. Yeah. And then another way to do it is to have two sets of wheels that are spinning really quickly that kind of grip the, the train cars and then shoot you up there, too. Yeah. You know? Both massive acceleration initially. I think, I don't know what the number is, but zero to 60 in the blink of an eye. Yeah. I'll say. I think that, is it the top speed or the top thrill dragster? I think it's top thrill dragster. Okay, so that one goes like to 120 miles an hour in like a, a second or two. Yeah, it's a, a top speed of 120, and you must get that right out of the gate. Right. Um, and then lastly, the really big component um, that operates roller coasters are the brakes. Yeah, and they're not so different than any kind of disc brake in theory. Um, basically, it clamps down on these metal fins, and the pads slow it down. When yeah. The, when the little 16-year-old pimply-faced kid pushes the button actually it's all computers but yeah don't scare people i like to think that your life is in the that that boy's hands right that that one teenager from the simpsons yeah i forgot to push the button so those those are the components of the those are the moving parts right yeah but then you also have the track itself which is basically broken down into two categories yeah you have steel coasters and you have wooden coasters right woodies i think is their uh affectionately known by enthusiasts, by sickos. Actually, I don't know. I think I, I think they're called woodies. I, I might have just made that up. So obviously, the woodies are those big old school ones you still see. I don't even think they make wooden ones at all anymore, do they? I don't know because the tallest one is the Son of the Beast at Kings Island, yeah, uh, or Kings Dominion, and um, that one is old. That's like eighties, yeah. And I, w- I would imagine they keep topping them if they were going to keep building them. Well, so the deal, obviously, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure this out. There's not nearly as much flex in a stiff wood planks. So they don't do a- tons of twisting and turning. It's really just about up and down, up and down. Plus, height is a big factor as well. Yeah, I you think can't the, go up so high. That uh, The Son of the Beast is about half as tall as the highest steel coaster. Yeah. Right? Um, and it's... I would imagine expense is kind of a, a big deal. Maintenance is, is huge because these are basically like railroad ties, mm-hmm. you know, every few feet, and they're interlocking and supporting each hill and twist and turn. Yeah. But they're just inherently more dangerous because they're less precise. Yeah, but for nostalgia, you can't beat it. That is true. Then, of course, you have the steel track, and these are the ones where you suddenly can go upside down on a corkscrew, <laughs> yeah. and you can dangle from it and basically just come as close to death as possible. <laughs> uh, yes, Josh, 1950s is when tubular steel first uh, made its debut, and uh, here you got wheels that are made of uh, polyurethane or nylon, sort of more like a uh, skateboarding wheel. Yeah, and like a Spitfire. Yeah, and they generally have like wheels on top, wheels on the side, wheels on the bottom, and it's just clamped down on that sucker. Yes, very well. Yeah, don't uh, be afraid. Then there's other ways it, uh, that the the train car can be attached to the track. Um, you can have a suspended coaster, which like hangs down yeah, I love from a track above. Those are fun. And it's not um it's not fused, so you can like kind of turn or flip out to the side. Those or are awesome. Flip out in general. Yeah. <laughs> um and then there's the inverted coaster, which is the same thing except it's it's fused to the to the track. It's not going from side to side. It's right. rigid. Yes. Is the word I'm looking for. Right? Yes. What else? Uh you've got the uh the flying. That's when you're in a seated position. But at you're at first. 
Yeah, but you're rotated up, and I think that's uh, the one at Six Flags. You're like sitting flat, and then they pull you up and backwards until you are completely 90 degrees facing straight down, and then they'll let you go, and you start from there. Right. There's also ones where you're sitting, and then like the car actually reconfigures, so you're flat, so your chest is parallel to the ground. As if you're flying. Right. Yes. Okay. Is that the fourth dimension? I think I think fourth dimension would be maybe um, like if you have a suspended coaster Uh and it was on a ball bearing joint. Uh So when you went around a curve, you could actually like do a 360 and kick out to the side. It's not just forward, back, up, down. No, I've ridden a fourth dimension. Are they horrible? No, it's it's basically um, you're sitting in in a seat that's like a wing. That is on the outside of the track. So you have the track in the center and these mm-hmm. two little wings on each side. Yeah. And as you're going through these loops, your car itself, your seat itself is actually performing loops as well. <laughs> Sometimes in the opposite direction of the loop you're currently in. That sounds awful. Yeah. Um, that sounds like also what you just described is, um, is a pipeline, uh, coaster as well. Where yeah. like the, the tube, the steel tube is going in down the middle of the car. Yeah, fourth dimension is just an extra spin on the pipeline design. Right. Spin, literally. Yeah. I didn't even mean that. Uh, and then, of course, there's stand-up, uh, the traditional sit-down. Yeah, stand-up, you like those? Uh, I think I've only been on one, and I liked it. Yeah. It was the Loch Ness, I think, at Kings Island. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Didn't, didn't add, do much for you? Well, it just didn't add much of a... You're like, I have to stand up all day. <laughs> I go on a roller coaster so I can sit for a while. For my money, the the ones where you hang uh, hang down in the seat, like if you sit on the outside front row of those, it's just like, it feels like you're flying. Yeah. A lot of fun. Yeah. I've not been on one of those. Probably never will. <laughs> um, and then, of course, there's bobsled. Wheeled trains on a U-shaped track, probably the most dangerous and old-timey of all. I would think it's so. basically like the um, retro Russian sled thing, except that the block of ice. That's right. Okay, so there you go. Those are the roller coasters. Those are all the parts moving and otherwise. It's physics time. Now it is physics time. So Chuck, to basically a roller coaster ride is an interplay of two forces. You have gravity, the downward pull of gravity, yeah, and the force of acceleration. Yeah, acceleration to me is where it all happens. Okay. I mean, they're all actually working together along with the visual cues, which we'll get to, is really what makes it happen. But the acceleration, to me, is what where you get your, your rush. Okay. Mother's Day is right around the corner. And in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later... The co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never 
going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And and this is physics, but it's actually pretty interesting because... We can explain things like the feeling of your stomach leaving your body and that kind of thing. Yeah, so don't go away. Okay. So, Chuck, um, to to gain momentum, to generate speed, velocity, forward momentum, inertia, I think is what it's called, right? Yeah. Um, you Just about every roller coaster has a first hill, right? Yeah, that gets you going. It's got, always got to be the tallest one. Right. Um, it, yes, and when you're at that point, you are at the peak of what's called potential energy. That's right. As you're going up the hill, you're you're increasing potential energy yep. until you crest the hill, mm-hmm. and gravity takes over, pulling you downward. Yep. Right. And at that point, your potential energy is converted to kinetic energy. Yeah. Which is that that downward momentum. That's right. So as you go further and further down the hill, you lose potential energy, you gain kinetic energy, and then every successive hill after that takes advantage of a uh, a constant change between yeah. kinetic and potential energy to keep your speed going, to get it going faster, to slow you down. Um, and that's how the, the roller coaster stays going as quickly as it does yeah. throughout the whole ride. And it stays in motion. Uh, Mr. Isaac Newton had a, a little rule. Let's call it a law. <laughs> First law of motion that uh, something in uh, motion tends to stay in motion, and that's what's going on here. And you know the roller coasters are precisely designed like you want to go down that first hill and go up the second hill and be like, oh, I couldn't quite make it, and then you're going back down. Right. Although the King Daka has been known to not be able to make it up that hill. What? Yeah, it happened to me once. I, we did a, the first TV commercial for the King Daka. I was working on it, so we wrote it like a dozen times without anyone there. And a couple of times, and it may not do that anymore. They might have been working the kinks out. You get shot up straight up in the air, and then you come back down and do it again. You know, they relaunch you. It may still happen. <laughs> you have this look of terror. Josh has just fallen over. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me get some smelling salts. All right. So, um, geez. Okay. Yeah. See, I love it, though, because you get two shoots out of the gate, which is the most fun part. Yeah, I mean, I could see how you would appreciate that. I find that that's just awful. I wish you hadn't have told me that. Okay. I'm never going on that you roller coaster never get to now. That thing. Um, all right. So, like you said, object in motion tends to stay in motion, and um, there are opposing forces. But the track is any any roller coaster track is going to be designed to to take advantage of building up potential and then potential energy and then releasing it as kinetic, right? Yes. So while this is happening. Um, you're, you have acceleration, mm-hmm. but you also have gravity, and gravity is constantly exerting a downward pressure on your body. Yeah. The reason gravity is exerting that pressure is because, Chuck, did you know that the Earth's atmosphere actually has a measurable weight, and it's considerable? Yeah. yeah. O- okay. Can I tell you what it is? Yeah. Four? <laughs> Four. It's close. <laughs> 4.41 quadrillion tons. Wow. So that's... Four point. That's four comma four one, and then thirteen zeros. That's a lot. That is. That, that's a a lot of weight. Um, obviously, it's not pressing all down on you all at once, or else 
you would be crushed into oblivion, right? It's pushing up, right? Well, gravity's pushing down, and you should conceivably, if the Earth was um, like a, a kind of a, a warm marshmallow, like, you yeah, would go sure. right into the center. Yeah. But you don't mm. because the Earth isn't a warm marshmallow. <laughs> so the ground actually presses back up, right? There's pressure from the from the um, resistance created by the ground. Yeah. And that's the sensation of weight. Exactly. Because the the um, bones in your feet press up to the bones on your leg and et cetera, et cetera. And all of a sudden you feel like you have a little bit of weight to you, right? Yes. So that's the feeling of gravity. Yes. Then acceleration has its own for has its own feeling. Yeah, and that's my favorite because that's when your body, and it's interesting because it's an opposite force acting on you. If you're being shot forward at 100 miles an hour, you're going to be feeling like you're being pushed backward. Right, and it, with both gravity and uh, with acceleration, you feel the opposite. Like you're being pressed down by gravity, uh-huh. but you feel the resistance from the Earth. Yes, because your inertia is different than your little train car that you're in. And, well, that's the same. Yes, it's the same with acceleration and gravity. You feel the opposite feeling. So, like you said, when you're being shot forward, it feels like you're being pressed back in your seat. Yeah, that's actually your seat pressing on your back. Which I just—that's the fact of this roller coaster <laughs> podcast. Yeah, that's great. Actually, I think we'll, we'll get to the mind with the stomach thing. Okay, and then similarly, Chuck, when when the roller coaster um, slows down, you feel like say the harness or the safety bar in front of you pressing into you. Yeah, right. So you're feeling the opposite sensation. Like the the bottom of the hill, let's say, is when you'll feel most heavy. Quote, and we're using air quotes. Usually say that, but I stole it. Right. Um, the the other reason for the sensations that you feel is that you're in the car, and the car is being acted on in its own way. Yeah. That's different than the way you're being acted on. So there's uh, not just an, an interplay between these forces, but there's an interplay between you and the car, like the the seat pushing on you, the harness pushing on you, or maybe even feeling like you're you're lifting up, right? Right. So, so let's talk about that. Yeah, that is the the cool weightless feeling you get. You reach a certain point eventually where acceleration and uh, gravity balance each other out. Uh-huh. So that's where you feel weightless. And if you are, uh, well, actually, should we get to the stomach part? Yeah. What's going on inside your body is you're not a solid chunk of wood. Most of us aren't. <laughs> Most of us are comprised of different organs all placed in this gushy body inside. So these things are going to react differently. Your different organs are going to react uh, different apart from one another. So if you have that weightless feeling, that is actually your stomach having less force exerted on it in mm-hmm. a downward motion. So you feel like your stomach is going up because it kind of is. Yeah. And that's when you're coming down a hill yeah. and the force of acceleration and the force of gravity are equal. That's airtime, baby. Well, airtime is when acceleration exceeds gravity and oh, you right. feel like you 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 don't just feel like you're being pulled upward. If you let go, you will lift up in your seat. Right. Because, again, the the forces are acting differently on the car than they are on you. Yes. And it's just like a, a cartoon where, like, your head stays here and your right. neck just elongates. <laughs> yeah. It's virtually the same thing. It's based on that principle that our bodies aren't solid, like you said. Right. And that will happen, obviously, in a free fall ride or when you crest the top of a large hill, you'll feel like you're coming out of your seat because you are. Right. So that's airtime. When yes. you are actually out of your seat, right? Yes, that is the free fall. That's the money moment. That's when you place the penny on your knee and you watch it float. Yeah. It's kind of dangerous, probably. Pro- well, it depends. We shouldn't recommend that. Let's not. Okay. And then, um, Chuck, so you've got the interplay between you and the car. Yeah. 
all these two forces acting on you, uh, gravity and acceleration. Um, and then also, like you said, there's visual cues. Like the, the way that a roller coaster is designed is so that things are whooshing past you. Right. It, like you're taken into a concrete bunker all of a sudden. You feel like you're about to smack your head on it. And right. That you, so you have not just the, um, the physical feelings, but you have empirical sensations, um, of just going really fast in a very dangerous way. Yeah. Or a very dangerous place. Yeah, see, my fact of the show, actually, it's not the stomach, but the fact that you, as a person, your body cannot feel velocity. And it sounds weird to say that, but if you think about it, if you're on the bullet train and you're standing on the bullet train, yeah. you're not going, whoa, Holy being pushed God. back toward the back of the train. Yeah. The only thing your body can uh, feel is a change in velocity, which is acceleration. Yes, and they Which they use that constantly on a roller coaster. Yeah, that's what they're doing. They're taking advantage of the visual cues and gravity and acceleration and kinetic and potential energy, and they're giving you the ride of your life. <laughs> <laughs> nice, Chuck. So if you don't close your eyes on a roller coaster, because you're missing out on a very important aspect of it, is what I say. Yeah, or close your eyes. Pee I, your pants. I have a, a a picture I used to. I don't know where it is now. Um, of me on the Millennium coaster at cedar point and like yeah. it, it was like one of the official like pictures they take yeah. of you after the scariest hill uh-huh. and like my eyes are wide open but i'm my body is clearly vacant like i've <laughs> i've left my body for that moment did you evacuate your bowels i no 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 sure, i evacuated that. my body but not my bowels okay that's good <laughs> I would now admit to that. I anyway. want to get a cedar point with you so bad now. <laughs> Maybe someday. Okay. I mean, you've got in-laws up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, is this safe? I mean, I know that you 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 have a heights thing, so that's probably where a lot of that comes from. <laughs> but is it safe? Are you in danger? Uh, it depends. You know, last. <laughs> Well, no, really. Last week, um, there was a, a three-year-old that died at a place called Go Bananas in Chicago. Really? And, uh, yeah, it, uh. it looks like there was basically a three-year-old shouldn't have been on this ride. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't look like there was any kind of roller coaster error. The kid crawled out from underneath the safety bar, fell out, fell like three or four feet, which wasn't bad, but fell onto the track and was hit by another car. Ugh. So it does happen, but this is so infrequent. And that was such a freak occurrence yeah. that, um, to answer your question the way you wanted to hear it, <laughs> yes, it's safe. Well, we have some stats here from the article, Josh. Um, in 2006, it was a little old, uh, 335 million people uh, visited theme parks, and 6,500 of them sought medical attention that year. But the as, as Tom Harris points out, these are people who visited theme parks. So for the whole theme park, not just yes. the roller coasters. They could have slipped on the way into the bathroom. They could have gotten in a fist fight with sure. um, Captain America or <laughs> yeah, something. That's right. So that's total injuries or total people seeking medical attention. Only 130 of those required overnight hospitalization. And uh, so that means your risk of serious injury just by entering a park is 1 in 25 million. And your chance of a fatal injury is 1 in 1.5 billion, and your chances of a fatal injury in a car crash are 15 in 10,000. And they always use so, car crash. So, yeah, go, go feel safe in your car now, I guess. Clearly the most dangerous thing you can do is get in a car. Yeah. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, 
The co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you on our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. I wonder, though, how much of that, obviously, has to do with um, the fact that we don't ride around in roller coasters that frequently. Oh, yeah. We ride around in our cars pretty pretty frequently. So, so you- I wonder if you <laughs> took the time you know, spent and made it um, comparable, what the... Uh, like how much that margin would narrow. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, in 2003, in, um, the Brain Injury Institute of America studied brain fatalities, and they found that it's these people had something going on beforehand, so it's not the ride. People who suffered death from yes. head injuries or brain injuries yeah, or from people, a roller coaster. Yeah, they, they had undetected brain conditions already in place. So our advice is, you know, those little warnings that you see, like if you have a bad back or you're pregnant or you high blood pressure, those aren't just there willy-nilly. You should take heed and don't go on the ride if yeah. you fit any of those descriptors. I feel so bad for that family in Chicago. I do, too. That's awful. Um, I have some world records. Should we go over those? <laughs> that was a rough transition. It was. It? Yeah, like let's do it, Chuck. Casey Kasem. Um, tallest is the King of Ka at uh, New Jersey, 456 uh, feet total. With a drop of 428 feet, 90 degree angle. Yeah. I saw it. Oh, yeah. I, and uh, if you are a roller coaster person or you um, are thrilled by roller coasters or terrified by them, you can go onto YouTube and type in a roller coaster name or just roller coaster. Yeah. And people love to make little videos from like the first car of like the roller coaster ride. And it, it's pretty much a POV experience. Very shaky one. Yeah. Um, the fastest is in Dubai. That is at Ferrari World. Nice. And the ride is the Formula Rosa, and that goes 149 miles an hour, which is really fast if you're not used to going that fast. Which uh, I'm not. There are 12 coasters worldwide, Josh, with a descent angle equal to or greater than 90 degrees. I think the Millennium Coaster has one. They go up to 97 degrees. You're actually... Like you're inverted. You're angled back the other way. And the Millennium has a safety bar, and that's it. Oh, is that it? Yeah. So you really feel like you're about to just flip right out of the yeah. of the car. It's well, terrifying. <laughs> uh, 
the largest Woody is the Son of the Beast. I think you mentioned that one. Mm-hmm. Um, the screen machine in, in here in Atlanta was for a very short time. Yeah. In the early 70s, it was like 100 feet tall. And the fastest Woody is 78 miles an hour, and that's also Son of the Beast. And the it makes oldest... like a, a wheezing sound <laughs> as it comes into the yeah. station. Uh, the oldest one is <laughs> Leap the Dips. <laughs> what? It's called Leap the Dips. That sounds like an old-timey roller coaster. Oh, yeah. Step is right up Coney and Island? Leap the Dips. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, it is at Lakemont Park in Altoona, Pennsylvania, and it was built in 1902, and it's still running. That's another one in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Pennsylvania is the heart and soul of this country's historic roller coasters. In Ohio. I just decreed that. Okay. So, again, you can go on to YouTube, check out some pretty cool first-person uh, viewpoint roller coaster rides. Also, one of my favorite things to do is to look up photo spreads of abandoned amusement parks. Oh, yeah. There's some really cool ones across the world. Creepy. Um, and then you should, I strongly recommend, and I think you can join me in that, right, Chuck? In, yes. And going to read this article, How Roller Coasters Work. Um, it has an entire section on how loop the loops work. Physics. Chuck and I opted not to cover that in this one, <laughs> uh, but there's a there's a whole bunch of uh, pretty cool stuff and cool uh, pictures. Yeah, isn't there a little animation too on one of them? Yeah, it's it's just a quality article. Yeah, so before you hit the park this summer, you can bore your friends to death by telling them all about <laughs> right. how it works. Exactly. Um, you can type in roller coasters two words uh, in the handy search bar at howstuffworks.com to get that article, um, and I guess that brings up listener mail. Josh, I'm going to call this uh, for a good cause from an old friend. <laughs> you like that? I do. This is for my friend Jason Jenkins, and uh, he, he lives in Japan, married a Japanese lady. Is he the one you were talking about in the uh, Nuclear Meltdown podcast? Yeah. Okay. My only friend in Japan. Oh, well. Although we have lots of podcast fans here, and you are like friends as well. <laughs> so uh, Jason writes in, uh, Jinky is what we call him. Uh, Jinky here. Hope all is well, buddy, despite what you may have read. We are all alive and not turning into an outtake from the latest Biohazard sequel. Not 100% back to normal, of course, but Tokyo and 90% of the country is much more workaday life than a lot of the media make it out to be. I could go on, but I'll leave it at there. Uh, I write to pitch a possible interesting podcast or article for the site. Have you heard of QuakeBook? Have you heard of QuakeBook? I have. You want to describe what it is? Basically, a uh, an expat, an American expat, I think. British. British expat in Japan got a hold of some uh, tweets and basically turned, I guess, on the ground social media coverage of the quake and the tsunami and mm-hmm. the nuclear crisis into an ebook. Yeah, basically like a coffee table ebook. Um, he got this whole. Uh, he got like, I think he used like Twitter to enlist somebody to mm-hmm. do translations, and it just became this huge, massive grassroots. Um, push to kind of document this from from the people's view, right? Yeah, and it uh, it was titled two minutes and forty six seconds after the quake struck. So like immediately, this thing was launched without even probably knowing what they were launching at the time. Yeah, but now there are thirty thousand words of short personal accounts and the like from two hundred uh, writers, editors, designers, artists that have all chipped in for this thing. Yeah, very cool. So Jason goes on to say, amazing project, completely crowdsourced through Twitter, and then pitched to Amazon, who agreed to waive their usual cut. So all of the money made by this ebook goes straight to Japan Red Cross. That's fantastic. 100%. Uh, he said, no one made a sin on it, completely volunteer. Uh, these guys went from an initial idea to writing to production, 
to product in one month. It's really astounding if you think about it. Uh, several famous, semi-famous peeps contributed. Uh, William Gibson, Yoko Ono, Barry Eisler, Jake Adelstein, etc. I'm not directly involved with it, but a lot of my friends are either in writing their stories or helping to put uh, the book together, editing, layout, PR, etc. Uh, we are all trying to get QuakeBook as much attention as possible. And that is from my buddy Jason Jenkins. And I'm going to blog about it Yeah. and uh, send it out on Facebook. And if you uh, want to support Japan Red Cross, which you should, then go out and buy QuakeBook because you know it's 100% of the profits are going there. Where do they get it, Chuck? Amazon? Yeah, I mean, I'd say that's a good place. Or just search QuakeBook yep. on your favorite search and, uh, There's QuakeBook Twitter feeds and Facebook and all that stuff. And it's a great way to support the, the cause over there. Very cool. Good for you, Chuck. Good for Jenky. Yeah. Yeah. You'll have to meet Jenky one day. I'm sure I will. Maybe one of your trips to Japan. I'm sure I will. We'll run into each other. <laughs> Maybe so. Tokyo's a small town. Yeah, I'll get into Tokyo and just be like, Janky! <laughs> you never know. Janky! That's it. All right. Um, if you have a picture of yourself terrified on a roller coaster, we want to see it. You can go post it on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash stuff you should know. You can tweet it to us. Uh, S-Y-S-K, right? Podcast, right? Yeah. Jeez. And then, of course, there's always old-fashioned email, which we still always love to get, but don't necessarily respond to every single one because Chuck's getting up there in years. You can send it to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.